I'm Grant Sangrown, Director of Product Development at the Upper Deck Company, and this is the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective, an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast, so come check us out. Come on, Brad. Give me a U. U. Give me a D. D. What does that stand for? Upper deck, baby. It's upper deck time. Yeah, baby. Um, uh, Norin, I, I don't know where Norin is, so um, <laughs> he's supposed to be with us, but he's not. So he's trapped down a well or um, fallen, down, fallen down a big hole somewhere. Um, so the first of our guests this week uh, uh, that you heard there is Brad, Brad Galley. Welcome back. Thank you, my friend. It is great to be here. I love listening to the podcast every week. I've been on a couple times with you, but uh, this is a special episode, and it has zero percent to do with me. So I, I am just uh, appreciative that I get to be a part of it. Well, my my friend, you're always welcome. Um, as we've described you before, as our official, unofficial MCU correspondent. Um, so uh, that, that position is filled. Um, uh, the reason I say it's up at deck time because the other person waiting in the wings for you, dear listeners, this week is the return. In fact, this makes it your trilogy of appearances. Grant Sandground returns. Welcome. Thank you so much. So happy to join you guys. Brad, uh, Ian, uh, looking forward to it. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're just going to get into it. Um, now, we, um, we were... Um, I'll very briefly say this off the top because it kind of steers the direction of this episode is going to go in. We were going to talk about a lot more um, in in Brad's kind of firmament on the MCU side, um, but you're not quite ready to talk about them yet, are you, Gron? Um, I am happy to talk about some MCU stuff, but um, as the months go by in 2022, hopefully in the next few months, we'll have a lot more that I can openly talk about. But uh, Brad, rest assured, we have um, grand plans for uh, MCU coverage uh, in the cinematic and the streaming content that they're providing us. (laughs) Cool. That's the podcast. We'll talk to you guys later. That makes me excited enough. (laughs) <laughs> Brad just did a little dance there for those listening at home. Um, I can only describe it as the MCU wiggle. It will forever be known as. Um, so, Grant, what can you talk about this week in detail? I mean, I know the answer to that, but hit this with it. What's what's well, what's the new news? What I um, am chomping at the bit and looking forward to, uh, as I told you earlier, to go DEFCON 5 deep into is FLIR Ultra Avengers uh, that was recently solicited. But I'd like to think I can add a little more color to uh, what's going on with that product than is in the solicitation itself. So uh, hopefully we can, um, you know, kind of dig underneath, uh, dig through that product a little bit. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Now, I uh, the the it has been solicited, and there is a uh, sell sheet out there along with loads of images. So we'll pop all that on our show notes, along with some links as to where you can go and look at various places. But this will be your um, your main source of all that gorgeous information because there'll be more in the next. Um, few minutes than there will be on any of those resources i can guarantee you that much so um what 
before I get into what I'm seeing on my screen, which is the box art and and all that shizzle, um, what can you tell us about Fleer Ultra Avengers? Because it's been a few years since Fleer Ultra Spider-Man in 2017, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, Fleer Ultra X-Men in 2018, which is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, but one person in particular, Mr. Fuxum. Um and Fleer Ultra Avengers. So obviously you've got you've got a four year gap between them. But what's different? How how they changed? So yeah, that's that's a good uh, context to begin our discussion on the product because the last time we did a Fleer Ultra product for uh, the Marvel license, seemingly like five lifetimes ago because so much has happened in our world since 2018. Um, so it seems like 500 years ago, not four years ago. Um, but we're excited about Fleer Ultra Avengers. Very excited that it is um, the first uh, time in a long time that we've brought an all original art set back into the Marvel fold, which is fantastic. Uh, as we all know, uh, original art is greatly appreciated by the consumers, um, but takes a lot more time than it does for some of the sort of common publishing library art-based products like uh, the anticipated uh, Metal Universe Spider-Man that's coming out soon. But this is a different beast, Ultra Avengers, and it makes it really exciting that it's all original art. Um, now, like I said, it's been quite a few years since we did an Ultra product, so I wanted to kind of give a brief overview and comparison of what to expect in 2022 Ultra Avengers and how it differs from the Spider-Man and X-Men products from years gone by. Now, some of the some of the similarities are that um, there's 12 packs in every box, there's six boxes in every inner shipper, there's two inner shippers in every master case. That's the same for all three of those products. Nothing really changed in that regard. Technically, in 2017, there were five cards per pack. In 2018, it was raised to six cards per pack, and it remains as such for 2022 Avengers. Six cards per pack. Um, now, what I can tell you with the um, physical release versus the EPAC release, physical, obviously the base cards are physical. In EPAC, they're going to be digital. So that makes the, the physical release a little more special that if you want a full set, go buy the physical product. You know, obviously it's coming out a few months prior to the EPAC release, but collectors that are buying the physical boxes should keep that in mind. Another thing that's different from the prior two releases, the Spider-Man and the X-Men release, is that this year the Avengers release will have a blaster skew added to it. So um, similar to how we talked on my last show that Ultra, I'm sorry, that Metal Universe Spider-Man is having some retail elements added to it, some big box mass market retail kind of um, distribution, that's what Ultra Avengers is as well. Well, and frankly, I think it's sort of a really good option for collectors because these days a lot of hobby boxes are really quite expensive. Mm. Um, we don't really set any prices on that. I said that every time I'm on the show. We don't set retail prices for, for hobby shops. That is amongst distributors and shop owners and all that kind of stuff. But as we know, hobby boxes uh, have done nothing but get uh, a lot more expensive since uh, the pandemic started in 2020. So uh, hopefully there'll be um, options for all collectors. If they want to go heavy and get the, the hobby boxes, they'll be there for them. If they want some other options with blasters, of which we'll have some exclusive content in them, blaster boxes are going to be available at uh, big box retailers like Target and Walmart. Um, so hopefully they'll be the product will be a little easier for everyone to get. Grant, I got a question Brad, for you. you want to time in? When you when when you saw the boom start to create that desire for collectors going after um, the blaster boxes a couple of years ago, you've talked with these guys before. 
about how long it takes to, to start implementing and changing and creating products. When did you guys realize that you wanted to make Blaster an option for some of these big Marvel products? Um, well, really, you know, Brad, the crazy thing is before the pandemic, it was really hard for your average sports card shop in America to sell Marvel product or in Canada, frankly, because we sell a lot of product in Canada, given our hockey license. We just couldn't sell it very well. And we actually had uh, EPAC as a great option for distribution on the Marvel products back in the day. And that proved very, very popular. And Ian, I think you can speak to the strength of that EPAC collecting community with Marvel based content. Whereas you go back in 2016, 2015, go ask a shop owner how much Marvel they ordered. They, you, you had, you couldn't force them to do it. You know, you could beg them on your hands and knees, and like, nah, 2013 retro pass. You know, it's just it's crazy. Um, you know, and things changed dramatically. Obviously, when the pandemic started, nobody knew what was going to happen in the hobby. If people were going to just buy milk and eggs, and you know, and worry about costs of toilet things at home. Everyone got all their checks from the government and, and people were stuck at home. Nobody was traveling. Prices went crazy. Um, and that happened. Obviously, you had a huge influx of what sports collectors I see going aggressively with deep pockets into Marvel collecting and it kind of changed the nature. And, and that's been discussed ad nauseum in the podcast in, in your podcast for a couple of years now. Um, but, you know, I would say, Brad, you know, it was pretty clear by late 2020 that um, we had retailers like the retail buyers at Target and Walmart were coming to us and saying, please, we want this stuff. Wow. You know, and previously, retail buyers, you know, they were just very black and white. Like, we'll take Topps Baseball and eh, Topps Baseball. Let's just call it a day. That's it. You know, that's almost like how they treated it. And, and the pandemic changed things where. Um, big box retailers, you saw the, you know, the crazy stories about fistfights in the parking lot of Target and, you know, empty shelves and it was harder to buy sports cards than it was toilet paper and, and all that crazy stuff. Um, that definitely spilled over to Marvel. And um, honestly, even now on the, the back end of that sort of surge of pricing that we saw in early 2022 and late 2021, where stuff was just going crazy, both in auction and at, at shops and at retail. Um, I, fortunately, that's cooled off. I think everyone was kind of thinking at some point that was going to cool off. I thank heavens it has. Um, but I, even with that stated, I think we are going to have pretty strong demand for our Marvel products at big box retail stores. I'm hoping not so much that they can't, the collectors can't just go to a store, go to a Target, pick up a box without having to, you know, threaten to get in a fistfight or whatever. Um, I hope that's the case. Yeah. Thank you for letting me interrupt there and, and, and interrupt your train of thought. But I know you were going you were going strong with the with the product details and, and more secrets that you can share with everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me jump back into it. Um, let me give you. Um, I, I looked at some of the current box prices. The 2017 Ultra Spider-Man is around nine thousand dollars a box, which is so yep. crazy. Like <laughs> that is nuts. You know, God bless the people that can spend nine thousand bucks in a box of you know Spider-Man trading cards. But um, you know, God bless them. Uh, 2018 Ultra X-Men is about 1500 a box. Um, you know, so uh, 22 Avengers, I've seen pre-sales around $300 a box, which is not cheap, but thankfully a lot more affordable than the, the prior uh, Ultra products that we're talking about here. But in any case, we talked well, about... Spidey Metal. Spidey Metal is up there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. don't even know what the pre-sales are on that one, but uh, I know that uh, the demand... About that was... 540 was the last price I saw. Yeah, yeah. From that's... one of them, so... 
Yeah, that's, that's a lot of demand for it. Again, we don't have anything to do with that. That you know, that's that's what the secondary market does. But in any case, um, getting back into uh, some of the comparisons in 2017, the base set, uh, obviously all painted originals, was 100 cards, and there was, believe it or not, I think only one parallel. It was an artist auto number to 49. In 2018, the base set expanded to 150 subjects. Heaven knows how long that took us to do all the paintings because paintings take a long time. Uh, we did 75 heroes cards, one through 75, and 75 villains is card 76 to 150. The parallels back then, there was a silver foil parallel, it was one per pack, a gold foil parallel, number to 99, and a red foil parallel, one of one, plus a red foil artist auto parallel, number to 50. So we expanded the parallels in 2018. And we further expanded them in 2022. So this is a good opportunity kind of to explain that landscape right now. So the base set in 2022 is 105 cards. So it's not as big as 2018, but not as small as 2017. 105 cards. You've got 90 base set cards that are commonly seated at three per pack. And you have 15 high series cards that are uh, thematically named Silver Age. And they're all done by an artist named Tom Fleming, who should be quite familiar to your listeners. He's a longtime artist trading cards, very uh, beloved artist, does some beautiful, beautiful work. And we asked Tom to pay homage to some of the classic artists that did some of the Avengers stuff during the Silver Age. It's really cool. The art looks a lot like, uh, like John Bushima stuff and Sal Bushima stuff to me really really neat so cards 91 through 105 will be short printed in packs i think they're about one in every 10 packs or something like that. i can't remember exactly not impossible but those will be finishing off the 105 card base set checklist all original art um and then the parallels to that 105 card set include a, uh, a green foil parallel that's one per pack and i think we we opted to go with a green foil sort of a nod my guess is to the hulk and the vision and some of the characters that are associated with the avengers that look green um we have an orange foil parallel that is exclusive to blasters those are numbered to 549 copies per those are going to be about approximately you'll find one of those in each blaster box it, now the blasters I, I forgot to tell you the configuration of the blasters blaster packs have six cards per pack just like hobby and e-pack uh, and there's three packs per blaster box um, so within each seal blaster box on average can't guarantee it but on average you should get one of those orange foil exclusive parallels number to 549 um, then there is a blue foil parallel number to 360 that is in celebration of the 30th anniversary issue number 360 of the Avengers run there is a burgundy foil parallel numbered of 141. Um, do you guys know off the top of your head what that commemorates? Put you on the spot. Issue 141 was George Perez's first work on the Avengers title. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. And yep. and and as, as you likely know, unfortunately, George passed away. Um, about a month ago, so you know, yeah. certainly dearly missed one of the great, one of the true iconic uh, Marvel artists of my youth, and probably a lot of um, you know, um, uh, comic collectors and Avengers fans. Uh, so we wanted to honor George and his great run uh, on this title. Um, so the or the Burgundy Foiler number one forty one per to commemorate his first issue. Uh, then we have the Red Foil Artist Autos numbered of sixty three per. The sixty three numbering is a little easier to understand the theming. That was the year that Avengers number one was um, distributed and, and issued by Marvel. Uh, again, all of those will be signed by the applicable artist that did the base set of that card. Nice. Touch. So that's super nice. cool. Uh, and then there is a one of one gold spectrum foil. And lastly, there are the printing plates. So you'll have all printing mm. plates for all 105 cards seated into packs this time, not I'm part of the 
I love that. I know, I know some people got a little wrinkled, a little irksome uh, remarks from uh, using um, printing plates uh, as achievements. But sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But rest assured, we try and listen as much as we can to all the feedback, good and bad, uh, and make adjustments as necessary. Hey, sometimes you can five sets of four printing plates <laughs> for each character. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm currently in the middle of. Anyway, we'll move on. So that is a breakdown of how the base cards kind of compare from one year to the next to the next. Uh, and the expansion of the parallel cards within the base set. Some of the chase cards that are consistent content from 2017 all the way through to 2022, um, just like there was in 2017 and 2018, we will do comic cut panel cards in 2022. We have approximately 100 different books uh, that are featured in that run of cards, uh, headlined by Avengers number one, uh, Avengers number four, which is the Silver Age debut of Captain America, one of the most important comic books in the Marvel canon. Um, Avengers number 57 is included in there. That's the first vision. And just a, an array of other key issues uh, that we are using to cut up and create the, the uh, comic cut panel relic cards. Um, now, we are also doing coinage cards uh, here as well as part of the umbrella of comic clippings. Similar to the coinage oh. cards you saw from Marvel Ages, where we pair a coin from 1963, perhaps a, a dime and two pennies from 1963, along a clipping from Avengers number one, which is a 12 cent book to create nice. a, uh, you know, a yearly themed relic of coinage. Those cards actually value out pretty well in Marvel Ages. They've proven to be quite popular. Believe it or not, the coins, the vintage coins are getting trickier and trickier to go get. It's harder to find some of those coins. Um, and then we do have um, autographed comic cuts um, headlined by, uh, let's see here, who are some of the headline signers? Um, we've got Jim Shooter and David Michelini that did, they both authored the Corvax saga. Uh, nice. That's issues 167 through 177 of the Avengers. We did buy issues, those vintage issues. So you will find auto comic clippings of the uh, the of the uh, writers for the Korvac saga, which is one of the most popular storylines in Avengers history um, with autographed clippings of those two guys. And we have a true Silver Age legend, one of the few still with us is Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas, to give you an idea of how deep Roy Thomas goes, his first book that he wrote was Avengers number 35. Oh, my gosh. Hard, wow. uh, yeah, that is way back. Roy Thomas, he did, um, just to give you an example, some of the important books that he wrote. He wrote issue number 48. That's the uh, debut of The Black Knight. He wrote uh, Avengers number 57 and 58. That's The Vision. He wrote uh, issue number 71. That was the creation of The Invaders. He wrote 83. That's The Liberators. 87 was The Origin of Black Ooh. Panther. Um, 93 was a classic double issue with the scroll Cree war with, uh, that Neil Adams did. Um, Roy Thomas did all, wrote all those books. He wrote like 60 Avengers books. Um, and we're so excited that he signed for us and you're going to be able to get autographed clippings from Roy Thomas, from some of the books we're talking about here. So Wonderful. the comic clipping lineup should be pretty epic. Uh, let's see what other stuff. Jambalayas are a consistent presence among all three of the ultra event, uh, the ultra releases, Spider-Man, X-Men and Avengers. So you will get Jambalayas this time. They are, uh, I believe they are one, uh, they're one in every 144 packs. So that's one per master case or one in every other six box inner shipper. 
because right. there's gotcha. 72 packs in the inner shipper, whereby there's six boxes. Each box has 12 packs. Um, other stuff, um, stuff that we didn't do that was noted in the past. Uh, Spider-Man had EX Century cards, um, which are sort of like an acetate card with a rainbow foil die-cut top sheet. Uh, those are no longer there. Uh, the Stax cards from 2018 X-Men, we did not do those. Um, there was a really cool, fun play on Deadpool inserts in 2017 and 2018. Mm. Not those, obviously thematically not that applicable with Avengers. Um, in 2017 and 2018, there was a Marvel Metal and a Metal X insert set that were the basis of, of Precious Metal Gems parallel cards. So back then, there was a whole bunch of PMGs. And one of the biggest changes we very deliberately chose to do was not put PMGs into Ultra Avengers this year because we want to respect and protect the secondary market of the PMGs that we issue in, in Metal Universe brands. So when gotcha. we have a Metal Universe X-Men or a Metal Universe Spider-Man, that's where you get your PMGs. That's where the so PMGs if you're getting an Ultra product, Ultra is going to give you original art. It's going to give you beautiful, beautiful original art base set. And what we did with it, we went back to the history of Ultra, which dates all the way back to 1991 in sports when we released Ultra Baseball and Ultra Football around the same year as well. And 90, actually. I think Emmett Smith might have had a rookie card. Brad, you can check me on that one. You know your sports. Um <laughs> and um, but Ultra has a great history. Quickly, it expanded in in the in the mid '90s into some of the Marvel stuff. Um, um, but there was a history of an insert called medallions um, that were most notably about 1995, 1996 in baseball and football and basketball. We did them everywhere. And the cool thing about the medallion cards, if you go back and you, they go do an eBay search or a Google search, or you'll look at them. The gold medallion cards feature literally a a huge layer of thick gold foil on them. They look like a hunk of gold ore. They're, they're <laughs> amazing looking in hand. And we tried to, to pick up on that and give you a really brilliant, dazzling medallions card in this Avengers product. And it's a deep checklist. It's a 50-card checklist of characters. They're seated one in every two packs. And that's replacing the Metal X or the Marvel Metal cards that you got roughly at one and two gotcha. packs back in 2017 and 2018. And what we're doing with those is we're making gold medallions number of 200, platinum medallions numbered of 100, ruby red medallions numbered of 65, sapphire blue numbered of 25, emerald green numbered of 10, and opal black true one of one parallels. All of these medallion cards, all with like foil covering 75% of the card's face. It's gonna, they're gonna be really colorful, really beautiful cards. Um, and I think they are a nice platform for us to kind of replace the PMGs and, re and protect the equity of PMGs for the Metal Universe brand. Wonderful. So, I think that's um, a pretty good rundown of how 2022 Avengers is different from 17 and 18. Um, I wanted to talk about the actual base set of 2022 a little more and talk about the artists involved in it. Please. Okay, super. So, of the 90-card base set, cards 1 through 90... Um, we have some amazing artists um, that I, I hope are familiar names for some of your listeners. Uh, EM Gist, um, Ariel Olivetti, Kyle oh. Cacao, 
uh, Ray Lago, Crystal Fay, and John Stanko are some of the more notable names that are contributing to the 90 cards that comprise the base set checklist. Now, furthermore, what's really cool is that our art team spoke with each of the artists, and we managed to kind of have them thematically break up the, the characters into groups. So EM Gist did a whole bunch of X-Men-related characters, like he did the art for the Beast, Bishop, Gambit, Havoc, Quicksilver, Rogue, and Wolverine. So if you like EMGIS, you can actually kind of collect all the EMGIS cards if you want because mm. they're themed together. Ariel Olivetti did all the old school original Avengers. So uh, that was Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, and Hank Pym were all done by Ariel Olivetti. Um, let's see, Crystal Faye did all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and John nice. Stanko did the Defenders. Now, there's one more artist I want to talk about that's really cool. Uh, only did one card in the set. It's card number 82, and it's Venom, and it's done by Simone Bianchi. <laughs> so uh, really, really neat stuff. And we talked about Tom Fleming, obviously, also doing all cards 91 through 105 with the Silver Age stuff. So we, we really like the lineup of artists we have. We like that there is some thought and some theming behind them. So uh, hopefully collectors can kind of see and collect connect the dots and say, oh, cool, old school Avengers or X-Men characters, all kind of done by the same artist. And as <clears throat> excuse me, as stated, these artists are all signing 63 serial numbered copies, hard signing them for the red yeah. uh, the red foil artist auto parallel. So it should be a lot of fun. What else can we talk oh, about? <laughs> Let's see here. Let's go into do you want to talk about kind of um reviewing so, kind of well, solicitation and kind of um, breaking it down into a little more a little more detail? You know what? Well there's some more in, there's some more inserts here. So I'm looking at the solicitation and I I need to hear more about right now the animation cell cards okay very cool yes yes uh i'm glad you asked me about it because it, it's it's cool sort of an odd duck and, and i love odd ducks i love weird stuff and i'm the nutball that created goodwin champion so i, I love odd um <laughs> So the animation cells, what we call them a variant. Now, the checklist does parallel cards 1 through 90 of the base set. The checklist does. And the artwork picks up. But what we're, we call it a variant because it's going to look like a, a different card altogether. We're popping out the artwork where the background art is not going to be there. And it's going to be literally as if you were looking at like an old Hanna-Barbera, an old Marvel 1960s cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon animation cell. You know, where it would just be a character against the clear background and then they would have Spider-Man swinging against the same set of five buildings over and over and over again. Remember that? Um, oh, yeah. So we popped them out and then we framed them and um, we create, we, we're dropping those in. I think they drop at something like one in every 36 packs. I think you get two of them in oh, an okay. inner shipper. So they're tough. They're one in every three yeah, yeah, boxes yeah. to get one. So um, if you're looking for a specific character, they're not going to be a ton of them to find. They're, they're pretty tough. Furthermore, what I really love, the real crazy evil genius part um, that we were the, the team was kind of working on was doing a, a red-bordered, um, hard-signed artist auto variant of oh, these animation that. cells. So again, the same artists yeah. we talked about, like EMGist and Ariel Olivetti and, and Ray Lago, are going to hard sign the, the red-framed artist autos, and those are numbered to 13 copies per. So Ooh. lots of cool... Uh, you'll notice as we talk more and more, and we kind of 
go further into the rabbit hole talking about this product. There's a lot of cool low numbered stuff in here. And we tried to do that and compile it together where each box is going to have legit shots at finding real low numbered cards and, you know, and having them pop up on a pretty frequent basis is pretty exciting, but that takes a lot of strategy and a lot of planning to kind of map it out where it all makes sense, but it's still a fun breaking experience. Yeah. I bet. Um, just be, be- Gone. I don't know if you noticed, Brad, but I did send you the Celsius in the chat on Skype. So you too can be looking at these wonderful images. I'm looking at it and I'm asking, I are, these, <laughs> are they kind of like shadow boxes that you've, you've done in some of the releases in sports and in Marvel? Um, well, we, we're not doing shadow boxes in this product. Um, we do have shadow boxes in Metal Universe Spider-Man coming up, but we don't have any shadow boxes here. The closest thing would be the animation cells. But, Brad, the animation cells cards are um, acetate cards. So Okay, that's um, what I was getting at. Yeah. Just like a uh, clear-cut hockey card out of UD1 or something like that. That's what these cards will feel like. Nice. When, gotcha. you have, when you don't have PMGs now in Ultra – you know, collectors are going to look for that next big thing. You have the jambalaya, which actually, you know, obviously took off in the last few releases. Do you guys anticipate behind the scenes something in this product that will take off as, as that next big insert, that next big chase card? Well, I think, you know, Brad, it's a good question that, you know, there was some growth in the secondary market over the last couple of years. I don't think we would have anticipated where a lot of value got. Like, we never thought the PMGs would go that crazy. We thought, you know, yeah, they're PMGs. The Jordan card's worth a million dollars from 1997 or whatever crazy number it's worth. Um, Sure, there's some historical evidence of great values for basketball. Will this transfer over? But we didn't figure it would go that nuts. But I would have to say, given what we've seen in the past couple of years of how the Marvel card collectors are now acting in the secondary market, market a lot of the low number parallels we're talking about here like the um, opal black medallion 101s and the emerald green medallions at number to 10 and some of the you know the um red foil artist autos from the base set number to 63 i, I guarantee those will be popular because i know oh, yeah, collectors love hard sign um, artist autos so i would say the animation sells out of 13 the red framed ones and the base sets out of 63 those are going to go pretty strong i don't think there'll be cheapies to be had especially on yeah. key characters used and oh by the way spider-man and wolverine are in this base set so even though they're not oh. core avengers characters um they're they have a strong audience you know collector bases that are going to want those cards yeah um, so yeah, i think those are going to get some big value on them um there's all sorts of other cool there's some amazing sketch artists uh, ian and i were chatting about some of the sketch artist work um done by um you know artists like liddy lee um you know uh, let me see who else did we have rich henneman viscaratos andre Ausch, um doing some amazing stuff you know i love that uh, we were kind of running through some of this stuff ian and i and um we were talking about Rich Henneman. Um, can I try and screen share, Ian, with you? You want to try that? Yeah, again? by all means. By all means. Right. And Don't Brad, think we'll be able to show the listeners at home this, but um, to see but some of this stuff. And you, you listeners at home, I'm so sorry to that we can see this stuff and you guys can't. Um, can you guys see what I'm seeing here with uh, some of Rich Henneman's? Absolutely. Features? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So what we're looking at here, I love like this. There's a Submariner and there's a Thor here. The Submariner looks exactly like the way Sal Bushima would have drawn Submariner in the issues around the 70s. And the Thor kind of looks like Jack Kirby's version of Thor. Yes. You know, you can yeah. see here um, that these artists were having a lot of fun um, 
with their sketch cards here. Super colorful stuff that Rich Henneman's providing. Uh, that I'm looking at a Hercules that looks just like a Kirby. A um, lot of really cool stuff. A lot of nods to some of the old school artists uh, that were so famously um, doing the work with the early Avengers stuff. Liddy Lee. Um, I assume you can see her work here. Uh, obviously inspired oh. by anime. Liddy Lee stuff we know sells for top dollar. She's one of the more popular sketch artists, no matter what set she's working on. People are going to get full sort of anime inspired stuff. Uh, a, a ton of great characters here. Um, Viscaratos, gorgeous, beautiful, full color stuff. Um, Ian, I don't know if you want to give us some tasting notes on what you're seeing here. Well, I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm kind of trying to keep up. Really, they're such different styles. That's what I like about them. I mean, the Liddy stuff is is so beautifully textured. Um, you know, people that collect her stuff, everything I just saw was absolutely top shelf. Um, there's an echo there. Second one along top row. Um, it's absolutely stunning. Um, the Squirrel Girl slightly disturbs me, but that's me. Um, yeah, no, they're all they're all top notch. Absolutely top notch. The one I'm really looking forward to is 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 move along to our friend Dre, Andre Ausch. Andre Ausch. All right. So Andre Ausch did these really cool. Um, let's see here. Moving out of the way. Uh, let's see. He did a bunch of them, but he did oh these beautiful like um, profile portraits, uh, and they literally look like they're almost like spray painted or hand painted. That's stunning. Um, you know, really, really beautiful stuff. And it's so neat to see them together. It's really neat when you get sketch collectors that try and put together a collection of a certain artist. Mm. And I think Andre's stuff here, as I scroll through them here, you can see Black Bolt and yeah. um, some different characters that I'm going through here. Um, Deathlock, Wolverine, uh, would be, they make a lot of sense when you kind of view them They're together. amazing. He did a similar subset for um, Masterpieces 2020. Where he was, a, he had a kind of a, a very, um, very again, very Silver Age style, with a gold kind of circle sun background to them, and people went yeah. after those. So people are absolutely going to go for this. That Thanos is absolutely stunning. Look at the red skull with Captain America inside the Tesseract. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. Oh my god! Wow. And I think, I think the Captain America is a spinoff of Captain America issue number one from 1940. Yeah. You know the famous image where he's punching Hitler right yeah. in the chest. Yes, that's right. Uh, and the Iron Man, how cool is that old school Iron Man from yeah. you know, Tales of Suspense books? <laughs> kind of looks like a very threatening Heinz tomato. Yeah. <laughs> Just some more of those great uh, profiles. It's it's the profile of Modoc. I mean, no one does Modoc quite like Dre. Um, he's actually done me as Modoc as well, which I'll. <laughs> so when I ask you about, you can the, see the, here. I want to show you. Want to show you? Let's see here. Um, really cool, oversized uh, four-piece sketch right there Beautiful. of the original Avengers. Yeah. Almost looks like part of. Gosh, which cover is that? Maybe seventy-one. Not sure which one that's inspired by. It's, really it's cool stunning. Stuff. Sonic. Brad, sorry, you were you were trying. You were saying something. No, I mean, this answers the question of what inserts are going to pop and catch the eye of everybody. I mean, the sketches, the oh, artists that you compiled yeah. in here, I mean, boom, bang, here you go. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's only four artists. So if if the quality is what I think it's going to be, I think those sketches. Now, t- tell us about the um, seeding of the sketches on this one. Um, where, when can folk expect to find those within, within the um, cases? And oh, okay. Yes, sir. Um, so sketch cards sketch cards are seeded at one in every 144 packs. So that's one per master one case on per average. Case. 
Okay. But the, I want people to keep in mind, um, we actually collate our product by the six box inner shipper. So though we try, we will try to deliver a sketch card in every sealed two, two inner shipper master case, which is 12 boxes. We can't guarantee it. Some may have none, some may have two, because everything's really collated on the six box inner shipper. And sometimes, although those seating machines are about 95% accurate, 5% of the time they can get a hiccup or you can get off by just a little bit and it can miss a case and you get two in, in one inner versus, you know, uh, having one in every inner. Um, but the seating ratio is one in 144. I know, yes, people are going to be shaking their fists at clouds angrily um, at Upper Deck. Uh, why are the sketch cards so much tougher to pull than they used to be? I demand a sketch card per box. And we've kind of talked about about it in a little bit in, the, in more recent shows that yeah. you know really honestly um, sketch cards take a ton of time um, you know Marvel licensors are getting uh, more and more strict with the sketches they are accepting which is mm. we're completely on board with it we totally get it nobody likes getting sketch cards that look like you or I could have drawn them although I'd like to think I could actually draw okay I did a bunch of years in art in art history in art, art, <laughs> art school but nonetheless you wouldn't want my sketch cards um, we oh, are trying, all right for that. you know and, and as we just looked through you can see the quality of the sketch that you're getting is is noticeably higher than would have been maybe five or six years ago. Um, And so the less is more theory here kind of helps in a couple senses. A, there are human bandwidth limits to the Marvel team that's approving these sketches. Keep in mind, Marvel has to view and approve every single sketch. Um, There's a bandwidth issue there. There's a bandwidth issue with getting the sketches you know, commissioned by our own art team and having them turned in. The more sketches, the longer time it'll get to return. The longer the delays for releases will be. Um, so there's benefits to, I think, uh, uh, one other big note is that five years ago, the only thing people look for in publishing products, maybe this is a little hyperbolic, but it seems as if the only thing they were really looking for in publishing products were the sketch cards. They didn't even care about the PMGs. When like Fleer Retro came out in 2013, nobody was looking for PMGs. They were looking for the sketch cards. Yeah. Um, and now we've seen that the market has changed so much that, Brad, what you were touching on, hey, what's collectible? All sorts of stuff is collectible now. Tons of different things are collectible now. All this, lots of numbered stuff is collectible. People collect their favorite character now. Shiny stuff is collectible. You know, all sorts of, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, back in 2012, all they wanted, collectors, all they cared about was like, where's my sketch? And that's it. And I'd like to think that the consumer these days has realized that there's a greater balance between what can be appreciated and chased and sought after that allows us to comfortably step away from trying to force a sketch into every box, which is totally impossible now, um, and rely on a variety of different stuff to make um, box breaking exciting. I love it. I love it. I want to talk about Marvel value stamps. Now, for those who don't know, what's a Marvel value stamp? Oh, can I tell a little story about Marvel value stamps? Please do. All right. So um, whoever owns, who's ever so lucky as to own an issue of Hulk number 181, which is famously the first full appearance of Wolverine. He, he had a cameo on issue 180. I own 180. I do not own 181. I used to own it when I was a child and I sold it and I still yeah. rue the day. I know. I know. It kills me. But famously, the th- one of the big things to look out for when, you, when you're looking for a Hulk 181 is the question of, has the Marvel value stamp been clipped out of that book or not? 
Right, exactly. And yeah, you're making scissors, scissor fingers. Yeah, you want to avoid the scissor fingers when you when you have a Hulk 181 in hand. Um, so around 1973 or 1974, Marvel decided it would be a great idea to add some value to their comics right near the letters page and the editors page when everyone kind of wrote in their letters and said, "Oh, we love this last issue" or whatever questions they had. And they added a a little stamp in there that was intended to be clipped out and collected as to what people did with them. Who knows? They were just weird little value stamps. And they only did them for about, I think, around maybe two or three years, kind of 1973 through 1975. So um, if you have any back issues, if anyone has any back issues from that time, it's kind of neat to flip through them, go to the letters to the editor page and see the value stamps and see what they're about. So we took that as an inspiration to create a new type of a relic. So we made sort of manufactured value stamp relics. We didn't cut up old books and take out the value stamps. We did artwork. we did artwork, and, and this is not original art. This is this is sort of Marvel library art, Marvel Comics publishing library art, and created our own value stamps. And the value stamps are really cool. I think it's a 50-card checklist, and each of the value stamps is numbered of 99 per, and they're thick cards. I think they're as thick as a comic clipping. Um, and in fact, they are the way we seed cards, and I'll get into the collation and the strategy behind how we build the collation for every box and every case in a minute. Um, but they are grouped in in our minds along with the comic clippings so when you get a hit it'll either be a clipping or a marvel value stamp relic in your box when that box is that's going to be the key card in that box like we think about anchor cards in every box that will anchor the value or at least a breaking experience a collecting experience to have something go oh that's neat that's cool we try and do that in every box where each box has something to go that's cool gotcha Gotcha. So that is what Marvel value stamp relics uh, are about. The Avengers universe seemed great, perfect to do it because there's so many yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're all numbered of 99 copies per. Uh, should be a fun one to, uh, for people to collect and a really cool kind of full set to try and collect. So I think it's doable with 99 copies yeah. per. I love it. I love it. You know, you know what that excites me because I absolutely loved the corner boxes that you did, the fabric box yeah, corner they were boxes in, in 2019 flair. So this feels like it will, it'll, I mean, they look very different, but they, they look like it will complement that insert set quite nicely if you were going to go in for them. Brilliant. I love it. Uh, it, it just tickles my yeah. nostalgia buttons. <laughs> it really does. Um, we've got some other um, uh, new um chase hit uh, hits now uh, we've got earth's mightiest spin-offs what's earth's mightiest spin-offs earth's mightiest spin-offs is part of a group of what i would call common inserts that cumulatively fall together at one per pack which is very gotcha. similar to what we did in 2017 spider-man and 2018 x-men ultra products it was like a six card pack you got like three base cards you got one foil parallel of the base set and then you got one quote-unquote common insert gotcha. so earth's mightiest spin-offs alongside other inserts called first appearances artist spotlight and epic battles um, all combined to deliver at a rate of one per insert per pack okay nice. so they're not super super rare but there are parallels of those that are kind of tough um so the earth's mightiest spin-offs is, is basically an homage to some of the spin-off avengers teams like the west coast avengers or the young avengers um featuring some of the sort of uh teams of avengers that were inspired by the original uh avengers title yeah gotcha Gotcha. I, lo- I love the look of those. And there's there's one more. I think this might be the last new insert. Talk to me about Checkmates. 
Oh, I love checkmates. Okay. Um, checkmates are a 32 card set. Now, for any of us that are uh, intimately familiar with the game of chess, there are 16 black pieces and 16 white pieces in, in a chessboard. So that's how we composed our 32 card checklist, where you have 16 heroes and 16 villains that will thematically create the black or white pieces that compose a chessboard. So furthermore, um, as everyone knows, at least with a a relatively familiar understanding of the game of chess, there's eight pawns, two rooks, two knights, two bishops, uh, a queen, and a king. Um, As you get into the more powerful pieces, the seating ratios get harder and harder to pull. So not all the checkmate cards are equally seated. So if you get a king... They're going to be really, really hard to find, which is really cool. Now, furthermore, all 32 paintings for the Checkmate insert were done by Jason Huta, one artist who did them all. Now, you you can see the Loki piece in the solicitation. I don't know if you want to pull it up and take a look. But Jason Huta did all of the art. So that whole Checkmate set, if you compile it and collect it, it's going to look aesthetically like – you know, like it'll all go together. Good, good. We didn't mix and match that artist. We said, okay, Jason, you're going to do all these. All 32 paintings are yours, which is a, a lot of paintings to do, and, and kudos to him for knocking them out. All these cards are die cut to the shape of the respective chess piece, which is really cool. Um, I know some people have kind of commented that they, they look weird. I think we did a Loki as a knight uh, in, an, in a die cut shape of a horse, and they're like, what the heck is this all about? Frankly, I think they're kind of cool. Uh, I think if you put the whole set together, it's going to be kind of neat to see what kind of shapes mm-hmm. there are and how the artwork fits on there. It's really neat. We had to work with the artist and show him the die-cut shapes so he could m- do the poses of the characters to fit on the cards. That was kind of neat. Um, now, there is – if you're breaking a box of this product, every box is going to have two checkmate inserts, okay? So you'll get gotcha. 12 of these 32 cards out of a six-box inner shipper, okay? So it's a 32-card set. It's kind of tough to get. Now, as we talked about, the, the pawns are the most common ones. Um, let me take a look. Those are seated as easily as one and eight packs, and the – Let's see here. The kings are the toughest. Those kings are seated at one in every 720 packs. So on the villain, yeah, no, really, really. Oh, actually, one in every five cases. master cases. Yes. One in every five master cases, one in every ten inner shippers is a king. That's how tough the kings are. Now, Captain America is is the hero king, and Thanos is the villain king. Let me see if I can pull up my checklist again, because I know things that are not on the solicitation. There's a cap collector who's going to go nuts for this. As you pull it up, I just got to say, you guys have done such a good job in creating this new kind of renewed sense of, of set building by, by making short prints happen. And I can see this set as all die cuts as I'm looking at the Loki as something that if somebody completed the set, you could you could frame that really nicely and put them all together, especially oh, if you're yeah. an artist. Could you imagine having a really, really large chessboard and using these cards in like one touches and, you, I, and play I chess? I absolutely guarantee someone in group oh, yeah. will do that. That would be so awesome if you could stand them up in a one touch. It will happen. happen. Um, So let's see here. I'll run through some of the checklists, some of the notables. On the hero side, we talked about Captain America is the the king. Uh, The queen is Captain Marvel. Uh, Bishops are Thor and Iron Man. The knights are Black Panther and the Hulk. The rooks are Black Widow and Spider-Man. And then there's eight hero pawns, uh, Namor, Hercules, Hawkeye, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Ant-Man, and Wasp. So that's a lot, but there you go. 
No, you want to hear, hear the villains? Hit me, Dad. Head out here. All right. So we talked about Thanos. He's the villain king. Uh, the Enchantress is the villain queen. Uh, we have Loki and Ultron as bishops, Taskmaster and Modok as knights. The Rooks are the Red Skull and Baron Zemo. And the Pawns are Magneto, Ronan the Accuser, Winter Soldier, Korvac, Red Hulk, Iron Patriot, Sentry, High Evolution, and High Evolutionary. So that is the 32-card checkmate, uh, checkmate set. And there's one other thing I want to talk to you about uh, with Checkmate is we had Jason Huta, the artist, sign 25 hand-numbered copies of all 32 cards. Oh, right, okay. That is the only parallel to Checkmate is the artist autos. So we wow. kind of wanted to keep real clean lines on that insert set because there's enough complexity just in the base set structure itself yeah. with all the short bits. Yeah. Okay, so in theory, there's also a signed Captain America. Okay, I, I apologise now to Pankitz, who will be weeping into his um, into his latte. Um, now, there's a couple more inserts I've just found, um, and then I think we will segue nicely to some some of the juicy stuff that Brad was wanting to ask. But let's just quickly touch on Ultra Stars Gold cards. Ultra Stars Gold. All right, that's interesting. Um, let's see here. Ultra Stars Gold is is interesting because technically it is a parallel of a more common version of Ultra Stars that is available only in blasters. How weird is that? Ah, okay. So this is a gold-tinted parallel of a retail-exclusive insert where the regular Ultra Stars are only in blasters. Now, the gold cards are really, really tough. It is, let's see here, um, it's a big set. I think it's 50 cards, and they're one in every 144 packs. One so case. if you're looking for a specific character, these are going to be really tough. Wow. Okay. Good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly happy that Black Cat wasn't anything to do with the Avengers much. Um, this is where you break my heart and tell me that she's somewhere really limited. <laughs> uh, I can search for her in a second. Oh, Ooh. bless you. Thank you. Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't be taking over the airwaves with this, uh, my quest. Um, it's a weekly occurrence. I wait for it every podcast when I hear a little black cat mentioned from you, my yeah. friend. Yeah, there'll be a black cat mentioned, oh, isn't there? You know what, Ian? Your uh, your your checkbook will be safe. Uh, she does not appear in the in the set. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that's good because Spidey Metal's going to clean me out. Um. So, and then we've got a last one. There is something here, and uh, honestly, the look of these is absolutely bonkers. Power Supreme, Throwback Universe Power Supreme card designs. Right. What are these? Let me take a look at those. Okay, Universe Power Supreme. Now, I believe those were inspired by an old basketball insert from the 1990s. Uh, and as we know, um, some of the old 1990s Michael Jordan era basketball stuff has inspired a ton of popular mm, kind of throwback mm. style inserts. So what these are, these are seated at a rate of one in every 36 packs. It's a 42-card checklist. So you'll notice a lot of our checklists are pretty big. Yeah. Um, and that is another way to try and, um, how could I say, protect value, 
Um, then if you're looking for a certain character, they're not going to be real easy to find. You're going to have to trade around. You're going to have to look for stuff. Um, you know, if, if you have a character you may not collect, that may be of particular interest to somebody else who does collect them. So again, 42 cards, one in every 36 packs. So again, one in every three boxes, and there's 42 different cards. Now, they're one in 36 Hobby, one in 36 E-Pack, and they're one in 36 Blaster as well. So these oh, cards, okay. you can find in Blasters. And they do have a black die cut. Um, that is one in every 360 packs across all SKUs as well. So exactly 10 times tougher wow. uh, for the black die cuts. Beautiful looking card. This is a this is a meaty set. There's a lot of product in here. There is a lot to it. Yeah, there is a lot wow. to it. Okay. It's interesting because obviously Fleur Ultra Spider-Man was, had quite a long life, you know, from 2017. And it only sold yeah. out, what, just over a year ago. So... Um, this has the potential to have some legs as well. Um, but obviously the market is substantially different now. Uh, and with some of these um, low-numbered cards, um, I think people are going to feast. Because um, the one thing I was going to talk about earlier on was that there is a real anticipation at the moment um, that, we're, that we're seeing. With People are waiting for new stuff to come out. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think when this drops, uh, when are we roughly thinking we might see this? Um, uh, I would call it stores? like a, a late summer, uh, okay. sort of a late summer um, release is what we're we're moving towards. And and we have cleared up a lot of uh, sort of production or or uh, various uh, approvals and licensing issues to get moving. And things are moving 100 miles an hour on this product. So I don't wow. expect okay. that it's going to be, you know, have any more big issues that we may have had earlier in the past pandemic with global supply chain stuff that sure. affected everybody um that we we managed to clear up a lot of that stuff uh you know i wanted to jump back if i could uh, point out some stuff about ultra avengers um yes. that we haven't talked about yet that i think our collector the our listeners will appreciate Okay, great. So first off, when we did the solicitations, you'll notice that the base cards did not have painted backgrounds. And everybody's like, why are the backgrounds not painted? That is solicitations. I want to clarify to everybody listening here, the base set cards, cards one through 90, uh, will have painted backgrounds. That is not correct on the solicitations. You will get, I mean, this is an all art base set. The art, it will be shown in, in all of its beautiful glory. Um, so that is uh, some questions I've seen on, you know, chat boards, message boards, Facebook sure. groups, etc. So I wanted to kind of lay that to rest that, no, the, when you break your boxes, your base cards will have full paintings on them. Right. Next off, the way we build this, as we talked about, um, each inner shipper, each which is kind of like a mini case, right? It's a sealed mm -hmm. mini case that, that will go directly to shops, um, has six boxes. And the way we collate our boxes, each box will have an anchor card. Like I talked about earlier, I view that as a card, or my team does views that as a card of particular scarcity or particular interest or technology that will hopefully provide the collector with some satisfaction that, that anchors their expectations for that box purchase. Now, that's six cards. So let me break that down in my mind, how we're building that and delivering that to the customer, okay? One box will have either a sketch or a jambalaya. 
Okay. Go. The sketches are one in every 144. The jambalayas are one in every 144. You combine those two, that's a ratio of one in every 72 packs. There are 72 packs exactly in every six box inner shipper. That is the first box that we are trying. I can't guarantee, will this happen in 100% out of every single box we ever do that um, it's going to be like this? I can't guarantee it, but this is our goal. This is our intent for collation. Collation is not a perfect science. It's an imperfect science that hits about 90% of the time. This is what we're trying to get done, though. So I'm happy to talk about it as such, just to temper expectations that no, we're not robots from planet four where everything works perfectly. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the box one should have either a sketch or a jambalaya. Box two should have either an artist or a creator auto. And I love what we've done with the artists and the creator autos in this product. We've touched a little about the animation red frame cell autos, the numbered out of 13. We've talked about the, the artist autos um, from the base set, numbered out of 63. We know how popular those are going to be. And um, Brad, now you know, those are going to be very popular. Um, mm -hmm. Furthermore, we talked about the checkmate artist autos um, where they're all numbered to 25. So all the artist autos, the highest numbered artist auto you'll get is 63 and keep in mind every sixth box box on average is going to have a, one of these autograph cards so nice. i think we've done a really good job I, i'd like to think we've done a really good job of sort of developing and expanding how we deliver artist autos for, from the simplicity of 2017 spider-man where it's just like hey base cards are number to 49 for the artist autos and that's all you get to a variety of different platforms for the red foil um, base sets the 63s the acetate um, animation red frames of 13s and the checkmate autos out of 25 those are all really Really cool inserts that will combine to deliver that one uh, in every sixth box. That's your second box in every six box case. Your third box should either have a comic clipping or the aforementioned Marvel value stamp relic card. Okay. The fourth and fifth box will have something called a premium technology card. And I'm sure a lot of people that are re reading the solicitation were scratching their head going, I wonder what a premium technology card means. Well, maybe we could ask Grant and ask him, what the heck does a premium technology card mean? <laughs> so I'm here to try to explain that to card. you because premium technology is, we use it as an umbrella term where it may be something really neat in the way it's printed. It may be something really neat in the way that it is checklisted or serial numbered, all that kind of stuff that we just throw it under an umbrella and call it premium technology. We kind of mean that they're either rare or cool chase cards. So what it technically means for ultra Avengers, there's an insert called comic covers. That's a hundred, different vintage comic uh, comics from the Avengers, roughly nothing higher than issue 111. So most of the books from issues 1 through 111 are featured and those are serial numbered to the applicable book number. So there's actually issue 1 is a true 101. Issue 4 with Cap Captain America is there's only four copies, etc. Oh my goodness me. I didn't see that on the... Um... <laughs> well, because it's not on the solicitation. That's oh, why. oh, wow. So, Okay. So that's part of that's part. Now keep in mind what I'm what I'm talking about these premium technology cards. The next two boxes in every six box inner shipper will be anchored by one of these premium technology cards. Okay. Gotcha. So you've got the comic covers. Now there is, um, we talked about the medallions cards, right? The gold medallions and all the serial numbered. There is one parallel called Amethyst that is not serial number, but it's ratioed at one in every 144 packs. Keep in mind, medallions is a 50 card set. So those are very rare cards. That also, the medallions Amethyst parallel also pairs alongside with the comic cover serial numbered cards, uh, along with the Ultra Stars Gold that we talked about at one in every 144 Four packs, along with the Universe Power Supreme Black die cuts of one in 360, and one more card that is an Easter egg that I can't really talk about um, that will 
create the entirety of what we're calling premium technology cards. But what we've talked about here, it's either really low serial numbered or really, really rare seating ratios, like one in 144 or better, that are going to anchor boxes four uh, boxes. Let me see here, four and five in your six box inner shipper. Okay. So just to review real quickly, box one is either going to have a sketch or a jambalaya. Box two will have a, an artist auto. Box three is a comic clipping or a Marvel value stamp relic. Uh, box four and five are the premium technology cards. Okay. Box six is basically is a wild card. So essentially what box six is, it could be any card from the aforementioned groups of all those other cards outside of sketches and jambalayas, which are a true one in 144. Wow. So you could get another artist auto. You could get another comic clipping. You gotcha. could get another value yeah. stamp relic. Um, you could get another uh, Ultra Stars Gold, that would be a wild card. So that's how the six boxes in my mind line up when you're breaking boxes, when you're at the shop and going, give me a box, what do I expect? Well, one of your, mm. your six box, one of your six boxes will have that as an anchor, okay? Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so that's that. I got that out of the way. And let me go on to page two of my three pages worth of notes of this product that I prepared oh for the show. Oh goodness me, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have issues, Ian, I have issues. Um, <laughs> So now getting down to the individual box level where every box kind of has something similar. Now we know that each box contains 12 packs, 12 packs a box, okay? So what you're getting out of your 12 packs, two of your packs are going to have a serial numbered parallel from the base set cards one through 105. Now we talked about those parallels. They could be either numbered as 360, 141, 63, or one of ones or plates. Okay, those combine all to deliver roughly at a rate of two per box. Amazing, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, okay. Yep. Next up, uh, now, oh, I'm also, I'm sorry, it's it's base cards one through 105, plus we talked about inserts like Earth's Mightiest Spinoffs, Epic Battles, First Appearances, and Artist Spotlights, quote unquote, yep. the common inserts. Those common inserts also have the same run of parallels that the base set does. So they also have the, the uh, parallel number to 360, the parallel number to 141, the 63, the Artist Auto out of 63, um, but the Artist Auto out of 63 is only applicable for Tom Fleming signing the Silver Age Avengers High series cards um and then they will have the gold spectrum 101s and the plates as well those all combine to deliver two serial number parallel cards per box uh wow okay okay all right (laughs) questions questions no (laughs) no my mind is blown (laughs) all right let me keep going so that's two packs out of your 12 packs in a box right set those aside okay so because i'm pretty sure people will be pretty happy with those two packs yes the next two packs are going to have um, a collection of what I would call more of the scarcer chase cards. Those are the three by threes, which are returning. The three by threes are cards that were featured in 2017 and 2018. Essentially, they make a nine card, um, nine pocket sheet sized display of original art. Yeah. I think Tom Fleming did the original art this year. Um, uh, so the three by threes are one in every 24 packs, but it, you you either get uh, a three by three or we were talking about the serial numbered medallions where you've got the black opal one of ones and you got the gold number to 200 and the, the reds number to 65. All those serial numbered medallion cards combined to deliver as well, along with the three by threes, along with the animation cell variants we talked about earlier. You only get two of those per case, but those combine as well. Uh, 
the Ultra Power cards, they're one in 36 packs, and the Universe Supreme cards are one in 36 packs. So if you take all those cards uh, out and you break them, you will get, out of a six box, you're going to get 12 of these cards out of every six boxes. So you're going to get three three-by-threes, three serial-numbered gold medallion, or three serial-numbered medallion parallels, two of the animation cell variants, two of the Ultra Power, and two of the Universe Supremes. That's 12 cards. There's only six boxes. So those combine to deliver cumulatively at a rate of two per box. Okay? Gotcha. So take two more packs, set those aside. That's four of your 12 packs in a box. Pretty loaded okay. packs so far, I'd like to think. Yes. Next up is the checkmate inserts. We talked about those. Those come two per box. So I, I don't need to revisit checkmates. I've probably sure. spoke ad nauseum about those. So that's two more packs. So six out of your 12 packs now are kind of set aside with all sorts of really cool stuff, including a ton of really rare stuff. So pack breaking is going to be really fun. Now, the other six packs in a box will contain the medallion cards, the 50-card medallion set, which is very similar to what we talked about with 1 and 2 when Metal X were in the X-Men's and the um, Metal, I forget what we call Marvel Metal from Spider-Man, they were 1 and 2 as well. Sure. So the other six packs, that's what you're getting. Keep in mind, however, I didn't even mention anything about the clippings, anything about the sketch cards, the jambalaya, as the premium tech cards like the Universe Power Supremes or the comic covers, any of that stuff. I didn't talk about that. That is falling as a, another hit in packs. So gotcha. what's happening is this amongst the six packs that will contain um, a medallion insert seated at one every two packs, one of those six packs will actually contain the case hit, which is going to be your sketch or your jambalaya or your artist auto or one of the crazy rare cards. So seven out of every 12 packs, almost 60% of every pack is going to have some nutty ass chase card. Pardon my French. <laughs> Let's just call it a nutty chase card, um, which I love that that's going to make pack breaking really fun. We, we try and think about this. The team really tries to think about this a lot um, and structurally um, build products that are fun to break. So seven out of every 12 packs are going to have some pretty cool card. Uh, yeah, just a touch. Wow. I so love that is Ultra Avengers. I don't think I have. I think that I've exhausted all three pages of my notes about that product. So um, hopefully we have added some flavor to the solicitation material that was provided to um, everybody. And listeners of uh, the MCC podcast can, you know, now know a little bit more than the average Joe. Oh, good grief. Okay. Wow. Okay. The mind boggles, quite frankly. Uh, I'm going to have to – I've made notes. I'm going to have to listen to it all again, that's for sure. Um, Brad, I hope you've been making notes there, my friend. Um, does this tempt you <laughs> – does, does, does this tempt you to stray out of your MCU lane at all? Because if there ever was a product to dabble in. My son is four, about to turn five. We went to a local card show over the weekend, and like I did with my dad and my brother over the years – he went to the 10 cent bin and he went to a box of uh, Marvel cards and he picked out all of his favorite Avengers characters. So uh -huh. as a family, we will stray outside of this because I know even just the blaster boxes. That's why I ask about it, because I now am raising that second generation that wants to get those cards, even just base cards to trade. He took one to his two year old cousin yeah, 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 yeah. Um, at the party we were going to. So. Yes, for those reasons, yes. For the big cards that I would look at and, and go and collect, but also um, from from the younger collector aspect, this is this is cool for that in our house. That's how I'm interpreting it all. 
Oh. That's awesome. Well, Brad, I know that your heart, um, you know, lies near and dear to the MCU side of our content. So, um, Ian, I know you were kind enough to speak with Brad and, and have Brad prepare some questions. So I am bolted into my chair, ready to talk about MCU stuff. Thank you for your patience, Brad. That was an hour and 20 minutes of rambling about Ultra Avengers. So I love it. Let's, let's this whole water bottle and now I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in 10 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. Um, no, I appreciate it. I don't think I'm alone because what you guys have done with these products and how much the MCU has expanded, I, I know it's impossible to catch up and keep pace with all of the movies, but um, so many of us that collect in this space, uh, I think we just want to ask, you know, how quickly can you catch up? What is the plan to catch up? Can we... Uh, expect a product for each movie and show that has come out in the last couple of years here? Yeah, those are great questions, Brad. So our goal, our general intent, uh, directly speaking with the license or Marvel themselves, is to provide uh, a product for pretty much, not every single one, but pretty much each major cinematic film and each um, streaming show. Can't say it's going to be a hundred percent of them, but by and large, most of them. Um, we, uh, our intent is to produce trading card products for uh, streaming shows like Wandavision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, as you, Loki, that kind of stuff, and or cinematic releases like Shang Chi, um, you know, Eternals, uh, stuff that's been released in the past. Um, and we will, we are. Uh, I wish I could speak more openly because a lot of this stuff hasn't been solicited. And there are so many amazing things that we are having really breakthrough success with, um, with Marvel Cinematic as we are um, trying to get better each year uh, with um, how we approach Hollywood talent, our connections to the agents to get deals done. Because a lot of times it's it's who you know uh, that can help get a deal done. Um and we are making some really good, exciting breakthroughs that, um, though I can't give you specific names for some of the big films coming out, uh, we're going to have some names that have never signed before for uh, Marvel trading cards that are some of the biggest um, names in the MCU itself. Just gigantic. Now, let me get you in trouble, but if you wanted to dangle even just one initials or some sort of rhyming word, you know, that'd be a, that'd be a fun little... Um, I can just say that I can say some of the names are big enough that, that you're going to have people running in traffic. They're just going to be going nuts. <laughs> They're going to be going nuts. Um, I mean, very, very big price tags will probably wow. be associated with some of these signers. Um, I can tell you one caveat, though. Um, in general, you know, now we have a Marvel Allure product that is based on the MCU uh, that is slated to come out later this year that's been delayed. We The intent was originally get it done in 2021. It's going to come out in 2022. It's going to be amazing. It is a chromium product. It's all chromium. It's going to have amazing autographs. Uh, and now that, that product does cover phases one through three, just like Marvel Black Diamond did. Its, its content was based on the 23 films that composed phases one through three of the MCU. Moving forward, however, after Marvel Allure, we been told by Marvel that the intent is for us to focus on phase four forward. So there are questions like, why don't you have Robert Downey Jr. signing cards? How dare you don't have Scarlett Johansson signing cards? Perhaps Gwyneth Paltrow could sign some cards. You know, whatever. You could throw John Favreau. Why is he signing cards? Um, You know, obviously the big misses for us so far would be RDJ and ScarJo. Um, and yes, Robert Downey Jr. did sign one time, I believe last year, very, very expensive. Most, all of the proceeds, um, good for him. He, I think all the proceeds went to charity. Um, 
you know, we did not, we were not part of that signing that was um, put together by a completely separate party. Um, it didn't line up with, um, you know, his rate didn't make sense for us. If we had paid him those kind of dollars, a lot of the agents speak, a lot of the talent speak to one another. The second you give RDJ that kind of money, you're going to get phone calls from all sorts of other people saying, well, we paid him that much. Now I need that much. And then we would have lost literally every single actor. <laughs> That makes sense because that was one of my biggest questions is I look and say, I have my display in my basement of, of my favorite Marvel cards. I've got some here at work and whatever it may be. And um, he's the one big missing one. And I don't have 10 grand or 15 grand to drop on one of the ones in the past. And that's what makes that card so hard to seek. Is there a thought as you go through this of, of different ways of trying to seek some of those big characters, um, some of the big Well, we're trying to get ahead of it. We're, we're trying to get ahead of it now, uh, and, but we're focusing, as I noted, on Phase 4. Um, and as you, I'm sure you can look at the Phase 4 lineup of the stuff that's already been issued in 2021 and is being issued as we speak. You know, obviously, Doctor Strange just dropped uh, a few weeks ago. We've got uh, Thor Love and Thunder coming up. We have Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever coming up. We've got a lot of streaming shows coming up. Moon Knight just finished up. All of those shows are in our radar. All of the big names. I don't have to name who they are. We all know who they are. We all know who'd be like the most impressive of all those names. Trust me, we are doing everything in our power and we are having unprecedented success coming to terms with some of these names. I wish I could tell you in detail what they are at this point in time. But I can't right now because they've yet to be solicited. I can tell you we are uh, working actively on uh, some solicitations for some of the Disney Plus streaming shows, some of the earlier stuff, uh, the, the earlier streaming shows. Uh, hopefully we'll get those out in the next few weeks. Um, that's how close we are. But everything has to be approved by Marvel. We don't control the timelines for how quick they turn stuff around. Um, generally, they're pretty quick, but again, out of our control. Um, but hopefully we'll have some really exciting stuff uh, to formally solicit. And um, guess, you know, I will be happy to come back on in a few months and we can talk about in more in depth about some of the streaming shows and hopefully some of the cinematic content uh, of MCU. And I can go into great detail at that point in time. What, what, what say you, Brad? You up for that? Oh, I love it. I'm in. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> you said earlier that you had listened to when I jumped on and reviewed Black Diamond with them and uh, with Ian and Norrin and how much I absolutely adored the product and coming from a sports background, collecting it growing up and then seeing, you know, my Marvel collection and nose turn to that. What you guys did with it was incredible. And I know Ian now is going back and, and, and collecting mm -hmm. more than I think you expected. Uh, Ian. Almost certainly. Yeah. It was such a high end product. And I know Allure is uh, as you've spoken to, maybe not as high end. What's the thought process as you go forward about putting out maybe all encompassing MCU phase four, phase five going forward products on an annual basis? And how often will you hit that high end, high end note? Yeah. And I had been pushing for Marvel Black Diamond um, and or basically taking the concept of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and treating it the same way that we treat the NHL Players Association as a group license. Um, and I view Marvel Cinematic, the MCU, as an anomaly among entertainment licenses in that it's the only one that has a large enough universe of on-screen characters that all interact with each other with storylines that demand the viewer watch everything basically yeah. that you can truly treat it like a group license that I don't just think of, it's it's kind of hard when you're only trying to build um, you know uh, uh, let's say Thor Ragnarok 
go, we'll go back to 2017 so I can talk about that one pretty openly. You know, you have a cast with maybe 10 people in the cast with speaking roles. I think we delivered four autograph signers. They were good signers. We got um, Chris Hemsworth and we got Tessa Thompson and Taika Waititi and, and Rachel House. Um, three of the four are huge, huge names, but we only went four deep. And as you know, it's hard to make it interesting when you can only go 10 characters deep or four signers deep. So all the way back in like 2016, 2017, I was pushing for like, man, the future is to really wait until the universe gets enough content to treat it like a player's association in sports, like a group license in sports. And then we can use the intellectual property that we have, like our famous brands like Black Diamond or, or uh, Marvel Allure is actually born from a hockey product called Allure that started in 2019. Your hockey collectors would be familiar with it, but essentially it's a Chromium product. We really wanted to do a Chromium product for MCU as well. Um, so we wanted a super premium like a Black Diamond, um, and we wanted a mid-level chromium tech product like uh, like an Allure. I'm still looking, and, and um, Travis uh, Ray, who is um, one of our uh, leaders on the Marvel Entertainment side, um, Travis and I are in discussions, and, and we'll be speaking with Marvel about um, pitches that we, and concepts that we have to further expand upon taking some of uh, you know some of our brands and seeing what else we can do with it, treating um, you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Kind of like the same way you'd build and treat a sports checklist. Mm. Ian collects Black Cat. Every product. Go ahead. I'm I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I have um, very big ideas. I really love the upside uh, that we would allow of pairing our IP brands with Marvel's singular cinematic universe. And we know, I mean, they introduced. I think 57 new characters in 2021 into the MCU. And they're at 35 and counting, I think, with 2022. I mean, in 2021, you had the MCU debuts of Simu Liu as Shang-Chi. You had um, you had uh, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. Um, I mean, big names, um, big characters. And that's going to continue. Um, you know, there will be additional big characters in 2022 as well that we want to treat um, kind of like the way we approach our structure and checklist for sports products. Mm-hmm. Can we expect an annual then all encompassing release? Is that a goal for you? Um, we're, we're in discussions, uh, internally and, and we're going to have some discussions with Marvel and see what they're happy with, uh, and what we can do. But I love the idea of it. And I think that's a great way to grow the MCU. Uh, I love the, the single project, um, products that we do. And as we stated earlier in the show, yes, our goal is to do a product for, um, each of the streaming shows and each of the movies or by and large, most of the streaming shows and most of the movies, not every single one, but most, um, that is a goal for sure. Um, but that also allows us the platform of like if you need to do deals with all that talent yeah. um, it's obvious that you take all that cumulatively and try and make products where you can deliver 25 signers instead of 5 signers Ian this is your podcast I don't want to ask all of the questions here you and I talk so much what else do you have my friend no listen well I'm thinking listen I'm I'm Black Diamond is going to be one I'm going to be nibbling away at for years I'm absolutely smitten with it in fact if I if I, I almost at the point if I collected nothing else I'd be happy because the, every single card I get in hand I'm absolutely falling in love with so I'm I'm just curious I don't I don't want to dwell too much looking back on it but um I do want to ask just quickly um, two parts to it actually I'm going to ask the, f- the first part is going to be looking forward if um, in say two years you had as deep a bench for phase four onwards including the Disney plus shows and including the movies you were to do a black diamond two 
but just focusing on that deep bench, as we already discussed, of characters that are new. Would you be up for it if Marvel were up for it? Oh, it, 100%. I wanted to do it when we were making Black Diamond 1. I'm like, we need to do Volume 2 in a couple of years. That was always in my mind. And Allure, I want to do in a couple of years. Every two or three years, I would see these brands repeating as we have enough content released by Marvel to do it. But again, we have to discuss with Marvel and make sure they're happy with our ideas and our concepts. Uh, but yes, 100%, I wanted, I'd, I'd like to continue these products. Because the quality marker there was just uh, uh, astonishing quite frankly is there um so looking back is there an element of black diamond that you that either surpassed your expectations or and i think this is unlikely didn't quite meet them um well i would say the value of the boxes surpassed our expectations i mean boxes are like 1200 dollars us right now yeah. that i never thought would be that expensive um so that would be <laughs> surpassing my expectations one of our big goals and it touches upon some of the issues we had trying to secure contracts with and not successfully being able to do so for actors like rdj and, and scarlett johansson was how do you make valuable cards for actors that fall outside of your grasp of getting autograph deals um, and we answer, I believe we answered the question pretty well with the diamond relics within Black Diamond, because as you know, if you get a Scarlett Johansson or a Robert Downey Jr. diamond relic card, those things are worth huge money. And in many cases, the diamond relic cards of, I don't know, let's just say Palm Clementif may be more valuable than her autograph cards. Yes. You know, how crazy is that? Uh, You know, you may have a Liz Olson diamond relic uh, with the six stones for the Thanos Infinity Stone relic card. That's probably worth more than most of her autograph cards in Black Diamond. Now, you know it's working when you have an unsigned relic card uh, that is selling for more than the autograph cards, Mm -hmm. given that 10 years ago or five years ago, all the people ever cared about was autographs and sketches. Yeah. 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 That's working. As we were breaking this product and people were coming into the group that that Ian and Norrin um, have turned into this awesome environment, you know, in the Facebook group, people were coming in and saying, well, I'm opening Black Diamond. How come I can't get a Chris Evans depiction within a sketch? Why isn't there Scarlett Johansson Black Widow sketch cards? It may be a silly question, Grant, that you have an easy answer to. Um, but when we open Star Wars products and we see the actor depictions why isn't it the same for Marvel? Why can't there be actor depictions uh, in Marvel? It's a really good question, and I love the comparison to Star Wars because Disney owns both Star Wars and Marvel, so you would think that a company like Disney that owns both properties would give similar guidelines to licensors like Topps and Upper Deck, right? And yeah. yet, no. Uh, that's because I, I can't speak exactly to the, the Marvel team, the team at Marvel, but I'm pretty sure the folks that work for the the Marvel group under Disney is an entirely separate group of people than that works for the Star Wars group uh, uh, of hard goods and licensed goods. And there's different guidelines and different rules. Um, I think it would just be a theory, but mine may go back to all the way that George Lucas was really, really smart back in 1977 and got all the hard good licensing rights for all the toys and all that kind of stuff. And I believe when Disney bought that Star Wars license, it had contractually greater 
um, allowances for what you can and can't do. Whereas Marvel, um, if you do a sketch card, they're like, we're not allowed to do human likenesses and sketch cards in Marvel. Cannot do it. We are contractually not allowed to do it. As to why I can't speak to it, I can only theorize. My theories are not really worth very much, but I would guess that it has to something to do with anything that um, looks like Chris Evans would probably have to be approved by Chris Evans. And trying to get Chris Evans to approve stuff years after he's done playing in that role would be impossible. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, and, and furthermore, I would yeah. argue that one of the things that drove me a little nuts on those sketch cards in Black Diamond, because I would argue that the, we, we didn't even need sketch cards in Black Diamond. I don't think we needed them in there. Uh, like, why are there sketch cards of Wolverine in Black Diamond? It makes, in, in a you know, it just, I don't know. It, it didn't make sense when Wolverine's not in the MCU. I had that thought too, especially with the checkers. Not yes, anyway. Beautiful, but that, that was also something discussed. Of why is there Wolverine on a checklist for a big MCU product? So, um, anyway, I'm sorry. There we go. I mean, you broke up yeah, just a tiny um, bit there. That's fine. You're back. You're back. I tell you what I do love though um, about the sketch cards in Black Diamond is having exquisite, having that brand on sketch stock. That does yeah. look good. I mean, character not, notwithstanding, you know, when you get that with a character that is in the MCU, so like, a, yeah. you know, I've seen some Spider-Mans on exquisite sketch dog that j- uh, just, it just works, you know. So. You know, um, speaking of, you were, you were asking, like, were there other things that surprised me about how this product performed? One, There is a couple things. Uh, Ian, you just touched upon exquisite and it jogged my memory. With exquisite, we wanted to do a play on the different colors of the Infinity Stones, and we did six parallels, each of which were equally numbered of 23 copies per, which speaks to the amount of films and phases one through three. But the foil shift changes in the exquisite where you have a red foil, a green foil, you know, all the different foils that um, thematically touch upon the Infinity Stone relics. And if you look at the value of those cards in the secondary market, those now, like the Spider-Man and the Iron Man, they're worth more than some of the Infinity Stone relics. Oh, someone's doing a... Oh, they're just flexing. stunning. They're That's just stunning. Uh, the Paul Rudd and, and any of the Ant-Man and Wasp characters, so, I could seriously rainbow those. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, and as you as you just said, yes, we did. We very deliberately um, built all the six parallels. We very deliberately numbered of 23, which in my mind is like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It's not too hot, not too cold, which means it's not too scarce. It's not numbered of two, and it's not too easy. It's not numbered of 999. We're 23 yes. copies per of six cards. It's not 100 cards. It's only six is sort of a doable task it's hard but it's not impossible especially if you're collect if you're not collecting spider-man um, <laughs> yes. and, and the spider-man cards i've seen sell for 1200 bucks and the other thing that really surprised me is the base cards of spider-man out of the base set number to 149 yeah. that sell for like 350 bucks these days they peaked and at 600 it's mm. fallen back and iron man at like 250 um and the exquisite base set cards of spider-man and iron man are huge values uh, and including the red parallels are going for huge values which speaks to just how hungry i think brad you were talking about we know how valuable the pmg parallels are in the in the publishing universe of favorite characters to me this shows you the tom holland and the rdj base set cards out of exquisite and black diamond clearly show there is character collectors in the mcu they will pay premiums if you make shiny parallels they will pay for them and i cannot wait to see how the market reacts to marvel allure's shiny chrome parallels of all these actors oh. I know you said that the last, 
You said that in the last podcast. Don't keep shouting that because I'm trying to get a few boxes and maybe even a case before it comes out. So I can't have these pre-sale prices go through the roof as you keep saying. All right, well, Ian, can you edit this out, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll redact that. We'll redact that. <laughs> um, I was um, I was just having a look at... Um, Oh, one other crazy. Oh, carry on. Yeah, that's it. Now I have nothing else. I'm done. Oh, Please carry that's on. That's okay. No, I'm just touching on uh, Brad. One of your questions I loved, and Grant, you touched on this, but I was, um, Brad, do you want to talk about your question about uh, the printing and production? Yeah. I mean, listen, there's so much passion behind collecting right now across sports, across non-sports, across your licenses. Um, and within that, people start to hear things and then things become truths, myths. I wonder if you could squash some or just maybe, you know, relay a little bit more of the information behind the scenes to us here. Uh, as we wait for products to come out, people say, oh, well, Tops or Panini has a stranglehold over some of the printers and they're kicking Upper Deck to the curb and Upper Deck can't get their foot in the door because of old standing relationships or that freeze in Texas years ago uh, has really hurt Upper Deck and put them two years behind. What is the truth behind some of the delays recently? And 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 again, I guess I kind of asked it earlier, but how quickly do you think you can kind of catch up to some of the product target dates that you hope to have here? Yeah, I, I can I can provide some insights. I can't provide every insight in the world to that stuff. Obviously, there's some um, sensitive information there that um, we have to keep to ourselves. But um, in regards to the printers, um, the printing space is tough for Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. You know, it is tough finding time from print vendors online to say, okay, we can green light you for these three weeks in this month. You have to be ready. And if you miss your date, you're going to slip six months later because you missed a date. And that happened, I think, for almost every manufacturer during 2021. That was when, as we all know, the global supply chain was a hot nightmare. And a print vendor would open up and say, okay, hey, we can give you a print slot in August, you know, 4th through August 30th of 2021. You have to have everything ready, everything's ready to go. And if you miss it, forget it. We're, the next time we can reslot you is nine months later. So you don't get a slight delay. You get a huge delay. It wasn't like, oh, you missed your date by three days because you didn't have everything ready because uh, you maybe were waiting for your paper or maybe the deco foil wasn't ready or who knows what kind of the wrappers are hard to get. Everything's hard to get during 2021. If you missed a date, it wasn't like you, you're slid on the line by a week. You got kicked off by six months. So that was one part of it. Okay. Just how they do. They lock in their time and they're not going to slide everything down one week. They're just going to kick you way down the line until they can find an opening. The other thing, keep in mind, Brad, we all know that the print runs that were happening in this hobby in 2020, uh, 2011 were a fraction of the size that they were in 2021 or 2022. Um, yes. Tops One Baseball is bigger now than it was 10 years ago. UD1 Hockey is bigger now than it was 10 years ago, okay? And what happens is that Tops One Baseball or UD1 Hockey might have taken X number of weeks to print back in 2011. And with more of it now being made in 2021, it now takes more than X number of weeks. Now, I can't give you the exacts of those, but as you might imagine, if it took... I don't know, four to six weeks to print Tops One Baseball or UD One Hockey 10 years ago, and we're printing more of it now, imagine what the timelines extrapolate, and then apply that to the rigidity of um, a print vendor's availability calendar. So not only are you battling the other manufacturers for line space, the line space has very strict timelines that if you lose it, you lose it six months. And all the products that are already granted time on the line now take longer to do. Like uh, like children are sometimes 
I don't mean to be like a child, but a lot of collectors will listen to this and go, Grant, that's great. And they'll put their hands over their ears and say, but I want my cards. Has there been a thought then, as so many of us have had to rethink how we do things over the last couple of years, to maybe rethink how to do production, to, to have an in-house production company, um, as, you, as you look at the challenges that are out there now? Yeah, and, and certainly, and and I think all the print vendors as well have made some material hard good investments uh, with some of their their machinery that does the printing and does the collation. And these are you know like three ton machines from Germany that have to be you know flown in by the CIA. And just these crazy machines. These are not cheap machines. They're they're insanely expensive. They have to be like mounted in concrete with you know twelve foot limbs stretching into the earth. There's crazy stuff. Um, some of the machines are the size of small city blocks. They're just insane. So it's it's not easy for them to make capital investments and make them quickly. They are making them, but they're and and we're seeing some of the gains now in 2022. Brad, as stuff is starting to move now. You know, we are having success. We we have gotten through UD1. We've gotten through Goodwin Champions. But until you get through some of these products, then you get into the queue and you say, well, there's Metal Universe Spider-Man. Now it's ready to go. But without Goodwin done, you can't get to this product. You know, uh, and and. And we were are we making more good one than we did 10 years ago yes we are i mean and that's a good thing all around and not a terrible thing that we're making more good one it's just more people collecting um but it means longer wait times to get metal universe on there and, and we are looking at all sorts of possible solutions to try and um you know get, continue to get quicker um we are looking at, at everything you could imagine to look at to try and get quicker but 2022 fortunately we've we've had some big gains um on the marble side you've yet to i exactly see it on the hockey side certainly we have seen it with products are starting to get out um we got goodwin out recently um metal universe spider-man's coming up very soon um we're talking about obviously we spent a while talking about ultra avengers that one when you have original art everything has to be approved so there's it's way harder to get original art product approved um sketch cards that's a very laborious approval process very slow that doesn't happen in sports so um though collectors who collect marble stuff may look a basketball and hockey and football and go wow you know those spoiled collectors they're just getting all these products how dare they get all this product where's my marvel you know where's my entertainment stuff well sketch cards are a big part of entertainment products and that is like a morphine drop of approvals it's it's tough you know that there's there's more approvals that and there's more work that typically goes into entertainment products i i've been building sports and entertainment for more years than i care to admit and i can tell you entertainment's way tougher not just a little tougher way tougher wow Wow. Well, we thank you for your service, Grant, because quite I, frankly. I, I'm the luckiest man in the world. I, I love what I do. I thank every collector listening today. I thank you guys uh, for all your enthusiasm and passion about what we do. So I, I am happy as a Cheshire cat uh, doing what Good. I do good no because we love it and we can tell you know we can tell that you love it i mean we you know when yes. i hold i i remember when we spoke to you for the first time last year for black diamond so it's the first you know it's like a first date because it's the first time we'd spoken and yeah we were all yeah. very polite and it was all very uh, <laughs> it was all very formal um and you were telling us about this product and it's it's one of these things that you're telling us about this product and i'm I'm listening to you, but in my head, I can't picture how it's going to be, which is why I only one of the reasons why, thankfully, I only went into a small proportion of it to begin with, because if I tried to chase more than that, I would have gone bankrupt. Um, 
and I'm glad that I did because I'm now discovering more elements to the set and it's kind of it's kind of gradually unfolding for me and I'm tactically choosing how to approach it and you know I'll, I'll never I'll never complete a set because I've stopped trying to do that with things I'm just collecting what I can and appreciating it and it's great and for for me that that set has completely changed the way I think about collecting cards um, and I love it. So thank you. You know, it, it was our set of the year for 2021. And um, uh, at the moment, it might still be our set of the year for 2022 because I'm still collecting it. And we haven't had that many come out. I, I just, of course, we will. Have uh, we've got, we're working on so many cool things for 22 and 23. Mm. I, I wish I could talk about a little more of them, but hopefully there are some additional contenders. I could literally think of them in my mind for set of the year quality stuff where it's uh, stuff like something things like you've never seen before I can't uh, with just amazing content that uh, i'm so excited to start see coming together and start see real like some of the art coming in for some of these products mm. uh there's a hint for one of them one of them's an original art product that i just think is going to blow people away um <laughs> i'll give you one more hint um it pairs it you, you take original art and pair it with uh, chromium um stock so to me it's kind of like how do you do vibranium but do it right oh wow wow okay okay I'm excited. That's just one of like a dozen products that we're working on 22 and 23 that I'm just like through the moon excited about. Wow. Well, what Ian said about Black Diamond when we were talking, he and I and and Norrin, I didn't know how I was going to attack that set, what I was going to collect with it all. I knew Anthony Mackey was in it, Paul Bettany, and a couple of new signers that I wanted to add to my collection. Ended up making trades and acquired some of those and actually got an Anthony Mackey in a break. But, uh, I slowly, quietly built the exquisite set, the base exquisite set, and paired that with my endgame exquisite set. And and just what you've done there, I remember the first time I started collecting Marvel cards was the the, uh, 2012 Avengers set. And to now see how much they've evolved and how we're sitting here talking about all this, how this podcast has had success. If people that that are only listening to the podcast, the three, the two of you can't see it, can see it. I'm in a closet at work, and I know I have about three or four people that have come by because there are fellow collectors here that want to know what is he saying? What did he say? What is he saying about Allure? When is it coming out? How about Spider-Man? When can we see it on shelves? So the amount that this has exploded is thrilling. And the fact that you have such a passion for it um, is so awesome. And, and listening to your podcast and now being a part of one here with Ian, um, it's cool to see you at the top of all of this, really having such a, a passion for it and such a knowledge for every aspect of it. Well, I'm just I'm just um, one member of a big team. That they're all equally passionate. We've got fantastic people on the art team. Um, we've got on the brand team, the coordinators, uh, a product development team, uh, operations. We've got our designers. Um, everybody cares very, very much to do the best work they can do. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're going to continue to uh, hopefully speed up the pace a little bit and and deliver um, some great products. Cool. Well, listen. If you if you carry on doing that, we'll all be very happy. Um, I, I, well, I'll circle us into land now because Brad, I know you've got to go off and uh, report about sports activities. Um, and Grant, I'm sure you've got to go and um, uh, cook up some more stuff for us to collect and uh, figure out pack collations and things like that. Um, but thank you, Brad, uh, for jumping on. Um, uh, po- apologies, um, everyone that Norin uh, was wasn't here. Um, I-, I believe he had some uh, some issues with one of one of his pets being poorly. He's just messaged me, so um, we'll just we'll just um, send up some thoughts and prayers for Nicholas, uh, one of his furballs. Um, thank you, Grant. Uh, let's do it again. 
Um, Brad, come back and let's talk about those um, Disney Plus sets. And, and, you know, until then, Brad, what do you like to do? Enjoy collecting. Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. Visuals and tasting notes for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. You can subscribe and leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash mccp. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Our podcast can be found by Googling at the MCC pod, which will also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Our Facebook community is at MCCW, Marvel Card Collectors Worldwide, and MMC, Marvel Masterpieces Collectors. The great music we use is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists, and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time. And remember, it's a small hobby, but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting. Wait, I'm here. Ah, uh, what did I miss?